Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast. This show exists to help you build a thriving creative career. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can stay up to date with all things Creative Pep Talk by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's get into today's episode. So we got our first Factor Meals, and I am pumped to tell you about them. First off, we absolutely loved them. Delicious chef's kiss for the chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals that come straight to your door. I can definitely see how when deadlines are out of control or you're in a super busy season, how Factor Meals can lighten your load while still giving you options like veggie, vegan, and even low-calorie Get as much or as little as you need by choosing six to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can even pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Head to factormeals.com slash peptalk50 and use code peptalk50 to get 50% off. That's code peptalk50 at factormeals.com slash peptalk50 to get 50% off. time on creative pep talk good luck making that sound cool alex sug uh (laughs) so last time we were still in our creative side quest series what the heck are we talking about this creative side quest series i'll tell you what we're talking about we're talking about uh we're talking about breath of the wild zelda breath of the wild uh because in that game, <laughs> you can go straight to Ganon, the final bad guy. And because it's an open world, <laughs> golly, do you have any idea what I'm talking about? Listen, if you're not a fan of Zelda, Zelda is a game where it's essentially man, elf, fairy guy who's medieval, has so a cool sword, and they've had games on Nintendo since the first Nintendo I've beat several of the games. I've played most of the games. But the latest game on on the Switch is so good. And one of the reasons it's so good is that it's an open world, okay? Which just means you can pretty much do whatever you want to do. Everything in the game is essentially a side quest other than killing the main bad guy, Ganon, who's taking over the castle and bringing darkness to the land. And uh, and the thing is, you can, because it's open world, you can go straight to Ganon, but you probably won't even get to him because he has these henchmen robot spider things called guardians. They're the gatekeepers that keep you out. But even if you got to Ganon, you get your butt whooped. Why? Because you got to do the side quest first so that you can develop yourself into something that can take Ganon down. And we're relating that, we're using that as a giant metaphor for your creative career development. And we're saying that you can't just go straight to your dream clients and email them or send them a postcard or straight to that record label or publisher or whatever and just say, hey, let me take you down. I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever try to take down anybody, let alone your dream client, but You can't go straight to them and say, hey, will you work with me without going on some side quests first? You got to develop yourself. You got to market your work, right? To get there. And uh, we're taught the side quest, what it is, is a side project 
with layers of business strategy added to it. So side projects are great for developing your creativity, but they're not the best thing for developing your creative career. And I like to think about it like creativity is Ernie and business is Bert. And you got to have both of them to have a creative business. And so side projects are really great at the creative side. Like, you know, creativity is often about going on a journey where you don't know where it's going to end up. That's creativity. It's the surprise of like, where's this going? But the business Bert is like, yo, if we want to make money on this, if we want to develop our career, if we want to reach our dream clients, we need to use some strategy, which means starting with the end in mind. And uh, I've actually found that by allowing the Bert side of me to uh, do his thing and bring strategy to my career, that it's actually created the margin and the thriving for Ernie to really live his best life. And so you owe it to your inner Ernie to let your inner Bert take over for a little bit or just help you do a side project in such a way that you get some great results in your career. That's what this is all about. That's the recap. We've done, uh, we've done the first layer strategy, which means make the work you're doing mirror the work that you want to get. So if you want to do book cover designs, your, your project should be about book covers. If you want to do logos, it should be all about logos. If you want to do, you know, if you want to work with uh, this publisher, you should know what types of books they publish, right? So you gotta, you gotta have the side project mirror the work you want to get. Then the second thing you got to do, and this is last episode we did, it was your, the second layer of strategy is that you need to uh, be generous. You need to have a project that gives away free value. And we went deep into what that means. In this episode, we are going to talk about the third out of the four layers of strategy that will transform your side project to to a creative side quest. And the third one, the three out of four, is you got to make a project that is connected, connected with other people in your industry and market. In this episode, I'll tell you why, how, and really why, and what, and when. Now, let's do it. So... One of the main side quests that you go on that help prepare you to fight Ganon, the ultimate bad guy, is saving your four friends. And you basically link in this game, Link, by the way, is the hero, not Zelda. Uh, Link has to save his four champion friends, these warriors. There's like a bird and a and a scantily clad thief woman. Uh, 
some kind of fish. They don't sound powerful, but, but trust me, they've got serious power and you need their help. So you go around to these four regions and you save them and you get them to give you their energy to help you take down Ganon. And this is a little bit of a spoiler. Not really. It's not. It's just... It's not a spoiler. Keep listening. It's just something... My opinion is that, you know, when I went to go fight Ganon... And I had, I'd went on so many side quests. I had the master sword. I had lots of heart containers. I had rescued my four friends and they were adding their power to mine. And I went to Ganon and I'm going to be honest with you. All of these friends made it easy to beat Ganon. Like I whooped his butt and, and the main reason is, is because the, these friends' powers combined with mine is that they all do this like giant friendship. It's kind of like Care Bear Stare kind of thing. And they, they, all their powers are shooting from the four corners of the world. And they like take out a significant portion of Ganon's life. Uh, and it makes it pretty easy. Like good friends make it easy. Right, And so this episode is about how you have to, if you want your side project to really push your career forward, you've got to make some good friends that can add their power to yours. And if you will do that, it will be the secret to unlocking the next steps in your creative career. And so why is that? I'll tell you. So buckle up your shorts. I'm about to drop a little bit of marketing lingo. I know it's disgusting, but uh, but it just helps you understand where I'm coming from. I'm not going to go deep into it. I'm just going to say that basically the side quest, the idea is both uh, developing marketable work, developing a portfolio of work that uh, is is viable to turn a career to turn into a career it's about developing marketable work aka finding that product market fit uh, where you find what you've got that people actually want and it's that and it's spreading the word it's actually marketing your work and so by connecting to other people in your market people that do what you want to do or or um, or that they want to do what you want to do as well. By doing that, you're going to solve some of the toughest problems facing people when they're trying to develop their creative careers. The first problem is that it's insanely difficult to change or grow. I'm sure this is not news to you, right? Like you have tried to change your habits. You've tried to learn a new skill. You've tried to break into a new market. And I'm sure that you have experienced how freaking hard it is to change yourself, right? And I'm looking back at my life and I realize that the biggest leaps of change that I've made are when I've changed who I'm around. And it usually, you know, for me, 
I've moved all over the place. I kind of, uh, my dad isn't in the military, but he basically moved enough to, to be in the military. And I was like, we lived in Indiana. We lived in Western New York. We lived back in Indiana. We lived in Northern England. Now I live in Ohio. And I've had a lot of uh, changes to the people that are around me. And, and I realized that I'm more of a product of my environment than I would like to think that I am. And the people I surround myself with really count. And I think when it comes to breaking into a market, when it comes to developing marketable work, that side of it, uh, the number one thing you've got to do is you've got to have interactions with or surround yourself with or just soak up time with people who do what you want to do just so you can learn to walk the walk and talk the talk. Think about it like learning a foreign language. You can study the books, you can do the online courses, but nothing is gonna make it stick and nothing is gonna make it quicker and nothing is gonna make it, uh, you're not, nothing's gonna make you more fluent than just submerging yourself into the culture that speaks the language a submersive experience with language. Like everybody that's truly fluent tells that story. Like I moved there and I, ha and I was surrounded by people that talked that language and I just soaked it up through osmosis. And I think the same goes for the type of work that you want to do. If you want to become the type of person that can develop the type of work that you need to do to get this dream goal, you've got to spend time with or rub shoulders with or connect with people that want to do that or have learned to do that and are doing that right now. And it's just like learning a language. And so adding connections, using this side project as a way to connect with people in the market that you want to work with is a game changer because like learning a language, it will make you fluent. It will change you into the type of person you need to be to make this kind of work. So that's the first problem that it solves by connecting people, getting people to collaborate with you, getting people embedded in the fabric of the project. So many of us want to think that the internet has made it so that we can go live in our basement and, and watch all the tutorials and make all the work in our closet and upload it online and make millions of dollars. Wrong! That's not going to happen. You've got to have people. You can't just do these side projects all on your lonesome, all by yourself and just make the most incredible work and through the sheer merit of its beauty and mastery, you get your dream clients. No, it's not how it works. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Andy. We know you have, you've had socially awkward moments. You've had, it's tough to sometimes to get out there and make conversation and connect and you got to risk some stuff. You got to be vulnerable to add people into the equation. But I'm here to tell you, man, you're not taking Ganon down without a little fish power, with a little bird power. Without a little large man, I don't know what he is. There's a Goron. He's kind of a large, powerful rock guy. But you need the rock guy to take down Ganon, and you've got to make yourself vulnerable to do it. Or you're not going to become the type of person that can make the type of work you need to make to get where you want to go. Number two... The second problem that it solves that is really difficult to solve is that no one trusts 
ads anymore. Nobody trusts anybody who's selling stuff anymore, right? Like we don't believe an ad. We need someone else to vouch for them. That's why you don't just go to a restaurant because the restaurant says, we got good stuff. You have to go to Yelp. You have to go to Google reviews. You got to go see what have other people said about this thing. And even better than that, you're more likely to try a restaurant if a friend that you trust or someone that you respect says, I eat this food and I put my stamp of approval on it, right? So here's the thing. I'm going to do one more little dip into the gross marketing terminology. Influencer marketing. Influencer. Let me just tell you something right now. You know what I think makes everybody the most suspicious about marketers? Is that if they're so good at marketing stuff and so good at positioning things in such a way that they spread, then they should be good at branding, naming things, but everything that they name sounds like it was named by Voldemort. Like you, influencer is basically synonymous, synonymous, synonymous with, uh, <laughs> by the way, if you didn't catch that, I said synonymous. I thought that I'd said it wrong, so I tried it again. I took another swing at it. But I actually said it right the first time, so I ended up just saying synonymous three times in a row. Uh, that's what was going on there. That's the play-by-play. But <laughs> I feel like the word influencer, the word you know, uh, content marketing, I feel like this is basically like Death Eater, Voldemort, uh, he who should not be named. Uh, like if marketers are so good at spreading the word on stuff and so good at that job, why can't they name anything in such a way where we're comfortable talking about these things? Come on. Anyway, influencer marketing. There's no, you know, it, it's not a coincidence or an accident that um, the majority of the way that brands are marketing themselves, where people are spending their ad and marketing budgets, is no longer the Super Bowl. It's uh, with influencers. Right, they're ta- they're they're all of the the projects are going that way. They want to work with people that people trust, and uh, and if you're going to be a good influencer, you need to make sure you work with brands that you believe in, or you're going to lose your only power, which is the trust of the people that listen to you. And so, here's the here's the thing, you know. 70 to 80% of jobs aren't posted online, which means, or aren't posted at all, which means they're probably either internal hires or the result of networking, the result of trust, the result of people vouching for people. And if you want brands, companies to give you a shot, the most important thing you can do is get the affirmation and the approval of people that they trust. And one of the best ways to do that is to work with those people, is to collaborate with those people, is to be around those people by association. In a little bit, I'm going to talk about how it's, uh, it's not all about trying to befriend or manipulate your heroes, and it's way more about being a good friend and making good friends, but we're going to get there. Just trust me. I'm not going to make you be strange or sick or weird. Um, so that's the number two. It helps you with the problem, solve the problem of trust. And then number three, and we're going to go into this at the end a little bit more. 
your creative career is going to have lots of moments of personal despair. <laughs> I'm guessing at least mine did. If you, um, I don't know other ways of doing it, but there's probably going to be hard moments, right? And making a, making good friends that can help you when the chips are down and when you're feeling like giving up is an incredible foundation that will allow you to keep going. And so uh, I, I deeply believe in connecting with other people who do what you want to do or who want to do what you want to do. Uh, and so those are the three problems that it solves. Here's how you do it. get on to the how section, uh, I just want to put in a little disclaimer, okay? Creative pep talk disclaimer. Look, uh, I feel like when you start talking about collaborating uh, and it starts kind of getting into those territories of uh, networking and what have you, it starts to feel a little bit gross in a way. And I think the best solution to that that I've ever heard is from Jen Masari in my creative pep talk book. She has a, uh, a piece of work that says, make, uh, don't make contacts, make friends. Um, or make friends, not contacts, is what it says. Way more eloquent than I put it, Jen. Uh, and I think that that is absolutely brilliant. You see, I think that there are um, generally three types of friends that you're going to make in your market. And they're going to be mentors, peers, and protégés. And I think so much time and effort is spent focusing on mentors or heroes. And I think they're really overrated. Now, I deeply appreciate anybody who has been a mentor to me, but I'll be honest with you, there haven't been that many. Um, I haven't had, uh, you know, in my personal life, I've definitely had some, but in my professional life, they've been pretty few and far between. And I haven't had a lot of like one-on-one -on -one time with them, um, with a few exceptions. But the people that have totally changed the game for me have been my peers and my protégés, as I would call them. Now, first thing is I'm going to say, don't call anybody your protégé to their face. They might slap you. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't, And I don't actually think of anybody as my protégé. That would be psychotic. But uh, it's just a word to refer to the thing that I'm talking about on the podcast. Stop grilling me every single week. I'm just trying to make a podcast. And sometimes you got to use words like influencer and networking and protege. I don't know how to make this podcast without saying those words. I'm just trying to help you. Anyway, the... I feel like I need to put a disclaimer in before the disclaimer that I'm going to shout and cry on the disclaimer. Anyway, what I'm trying to tell you is uh, the, you should be pouring your time and energy. And when we talk about how to involve people in your uh, projects to make them a 
side quest, I think you should be, yeah, be open to, if you have a way of getting a mentor or a hero involved in what you're doing, don't let me stop you. That is great. And it's happened to me. You don't have like people like uh, Sagmeister and Draplin in my creative pep talk book that are heroes of mine that I, um, that have, well, anyway, anyway, there you go. If you can do it, do it. That's great. But don't focus all your energy on your heroes trying to be part of the cool kids. When I was in high school, I spent the first three out of the four years that I was in high school trying to be popular, trying to be the cool kids. I am embarrassed by it, and I wasted those three years of my life because even if I, even when, I wormed my way into the cool kids, the popular kids crew, I was never really there because that's not how you get there. And, and the thing is, is you, if you make it your job to go to the conferences and weasel your way into your hero circles, it will never feel organic because those people came up together. They made friends with each other and they grew over time with each other. And if you get some time, if they bring you into that circle to hang out or learn something, then you can be grateful for that. But I think trying to force your way into um, their circle is not the best way to spend your time when it comes to involving people in your side quests. And it wasn't until my final year of school when I gave up and I let it go. Like I had big Elsa moments in that season of my life. And, uh, and I just, I, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to be friends with people I connect with. And those friends are the same people that I talk to today. I still talk with a lot of the people from that last year of college um, and, and they're people like me. And so when you go to these networking events, when you go to the conferences, when you go to these places, instead of thinking, who can I get something fr from, think, who can I connect with? What new friends can I make? Can, maybe I can meet somebody that, you know, we just like light up each other's worlds and we like to spend time together. And we like to, because of, we like to spend time with each other, we like working together. Like those are the contacts that make a difference. And those are your peers and your protégés. And so you need to pour all your time and energy into those people. So your peers are people who want to do the same types of things that you want to do. Uh, and, and maybe they have done some things that you haven't and you've done some things that they haven't. And you guys can trade tips and tricks and hints and clues. <laughs> I came up with four. Tips, hints, clues, tricks. <laughs> remember which ones I said, but those are, they're, they're game changers. And for me, the people that have totally impacted my career in the biggest ways have been the people that when I met them, maybe they weren't, uh, they hadn't done things that were hero status level, but they were people that I believed in. I saw like this, this person's amazing and they're going somewhere and I want to be on that rocket ship, baby. And I got on the ship and, and I, that intuition that this is a peer, this is somebody I want to be around, this is somebody who's going to make me a better creative person, um, trust that and invest in that. You're going to be glad that you did. And then protégés are the same. It's like, you know, your heroes are not the people that are going to be hiring you. Like, they're going to be on to better things and, and out of the industry and, and doing, you know, they're ahead, they're probably 10, 20 years ahead of you. The people that are going to be hiring you are probably the people that when they're in college, you're getting started. They're younger than you. And so you're, they, you are supposed to be their heroes. 
And so I think you should always be going out of your way to give legs up to the people that are coming up after you. Those are the people that uh, not only need your help, but also are going to be the people that probably help you the most. You just can't see it right now. That's another, you know, just a PS. Draplin talks about this in his talk like, maybe if you're an established creative person, don't crap all over those people starting out when they're making mistakes or they don't know how everything works. They're probably going to be the people that are putting food on your table in the next 10 years. So in your face, mean designers. I've been thinking about designers lately and I love designers. I have definitely a big part of me that is a designer. Uh, (laughs) You can feel the butt growing, right? Right now, the butt designers, you're so critical and mean sometimes. Anyway, that's me hating on designers for just a second. I'm acting like a, I'm designing you, critiquing you, you critiquers. I think they call those critics. Anyway, that was my disclaimer. I want you guys to, when I'm talking about adding people to your projects, look to your peers and your protégés before you rush to your heroes. If you can get heroes on board, great. But that, I don't think that's where you should share. I don't, that's not the word. I don't, I don't think that's what you should focus on. Depending on the type of side quest you're going to do, there are four different ways you can add people into the mix of your project, embed them within the fabric of your side quest. And I'm telling you, before you start your side quest, before you decide what type of project you're going to create, I think you, this is one of the four things that I think you should deeply consider is how do I make this collaborative? How do I make this project not just an island somewhere? You know, I've said before, like a lot of uh, people, a lot of creative people are like hot dog vendors out in the wilderness, uh, you know, trying all these different ingredients and trying to make the best possible hot dogs they can make. The fact of the matter is you're just out in the woods trying to sell hot dogs. There's nobody out there. You need to go connect with some people. And so you could think of the most creatively amazing, incredible creative work, creative project that you could ever come up with. But if it's not connected in any way with other people, it's just going to be like a tree falling in the woods. It's going to be just like, you know what they say, just like a guy trying to sell hot dogs in the woods. And that's not what you don't want to be that person. So you should think about how I'm going to integrate people into the project from the get-go. Four different ways that I have collaborated and connected with people in my creative work. The number, the number one is the, I'm going to go from the easiest to the hardest, but probably also um, the least effective to the most effective, but they cost you more the further you go. I think they're all worthwhile. The, num- the first one is a highlight, highlighting somebody else, celebrating somebody else. These are easy because they require almost nothing from the person that you include. You don't even need that much permission to celebrate somebody. Like you can um, bake this into your project in all kinds of ways. For, and this is just basically, you know, if you have a blog or you're on your Instagram or whatever, if you properly credit people, you can include uh, p- 
people that you want to associate with in your project, you know, in the ways that I've done it back in the day. Well, actually, first and foremost, on this podcast, I interview people and that's just me celebrating them. They don't have to make any work for it. It does, when I do it on the podcast, it does require a little bit of time from them, but I'm essentially blasting them out to all of my listeners and informing them, uh, informing my listeners about this artist and celebrating what it is they do as almost a service to them. So it doesn't take that much from them. Hopefully they get some fr- something from it, but it associates me with them. And that is good brand equity, you marketers out there. Um, Again, marketers, work harder on these names to make them not sound like Voldemort named them. Uh, But, you know, other examples, you know, I'd done a blog back in the day called Art Directions where I would just uh, feature somebody, maybe write an article about somebody, maybe do a written interview with somebody. We used to do that with a zine that we put out called Pump back in the day when I first got started. You know, Lisa Congdon, my friend, she does. She still does interviews on her blog with people, and it's a way of connecting what she does with other people. And it's a way of doing something nice, celebrating people. It's just good. So that's really easy. How could you possibly, you know, whatever you're making, is there a way of uh, highlighting someone else and just giving them that gift? You know, sometimes when you highlight... Uh, a brand or you highlight a person that you can tag them in it and then they want to share about it, right? doesn't cost very much, not that hard to do. It just, the more ways you can highlight other people, the more connected you are. Number two, anthology, which is just a collection. Can you collect a body of work that already exists? So my creative pep talk book that I put out with Chronicle Books in 2017 was an anthology. I didn't ask anybody to do new work. I was just, uh, some people chose to do new work, but I was basically approaching people for work that had already existed, collecting it into a group. And it was a way for me to connect with them with my side quest. You know, I had taken, I'd learned from people like Stephen Heller, Mike Perry, Julia Rothman, who had done anthology books in the past and basically just said, you know, this is the group of people that I want to be associated with. And you can do it with group art shows. You can just say, hey, I'm going to do the legwork and the hard work of getting this thing published or getting this thing in the gallery or getting this compilation uh, recorded or put together or whatever. Uh, I don't want to require you to do anything extra. I just want to include you. And again, it's a little bit more buy-in from them, but uh, and it's a little bit more work from you, but it's a little bit uh, stronger of a connection. So you can do an anthology. Is there a way that you can collect pre-existing work with the permission of these people and uh, put it together? Number three, partnership. Partnerships have been a big part of my creative career. One of the things I've noted when it comes to partnerships is if you and another person combine, it's not just two people combining, there's a third entity that comes along. And I'm not talking about getting someone pregnant. I'm talking about the fact that if you and someone else combine your powers, you can create a new entity. Back in college, I created a a zine with my buddy Jeff Bowman. It was called The Wizard's Hat, and it was a zine. And so there there was press for my illustration career, his career, and the zines. And it had a whole new life, a whole new... It's kind of like how people will... uh, 
go out of their way to create uh, like aliases and, um, you know, I can't think of the word. I don't know. Fake versions of themselves where they're pretending to be somebody else. (laughs) It's an alias, I guess, but it's basically an alter ego. That's it. An alter ego. They create an alter ego and it's a way of, you know, kind of doubling the exposure, uh, doubling your chances, buying extra lottery tickets, if you will. And I think that uh, when you combine and partner with somebody that you're just, um, you're you're creating a third entity and a partnership is going 50-50. And this is someone that's one of your peers. This is one of those ways of betting on someone you believe in that wants to do similar things that to you that maybe has done some things you haven't, some things you've done that they haven't, and you decide we're going to go in on this. And one of the best partnerships I've ever had is with one of my closest friends, Andrew Nyer. We have a show called Color Me, and it's where we create... Um, basically a giant coloring book by painting a mural, black and white mural on walls and letting people color it in with a five foot giant marker. And it's like jumping into a coloring book. And uh, we, we created that project in 2011 and it was peers working together, partnering together, creating this third entity. And it has a whole life of its own. It's almost its own little career existing alongside Um, And it's opened all kinds of different doors. And so are there people that you know that are in a similar spot to you where you could bet a little on them, they could bet a little on you, combine your efforts and get pregnant with creativity? Uh, that's, That's the partnership. Number four, last one is the feature. And the feature is, could you in a paid way, in a trade way, or a charity way. Like, I think there's got to be some significant contribution. This is the one that's going to cost you the most, but I think it's the one with the, the it's going to be the biggest investment with the biggest possible payoff. And what does that mean? That means that, uh, you know, if you're going to make a zine or you're going to make a magazine, a proper magazine, or if you're going to make an album or whatever you're going to make, you actually pay a person, a peer or a protege or even a hero to be involved with your project. And you'd be surprised. Like, they're not going to require you to pay the same amount that Coca-Cola would have to pay because it's different usage. You're going con- to be... Um, using this work that you're paying them for in a much smaller way and than, than Coke or Nike or whatever would, right? Or a publisher would. And so the, the, it's not going to be as much pay as maybe a giant client would require, um, but you pay them money to make artwork for your zine or feature on your album. You can pay them or you can trade with them. If you have similar standing, you could do a feature on their song and they could do a feature on your song. Or you could do something for charity, which by the way, by the way, haters, I'm talking to you designers. Uh, I'm sorry. This has been the downer designer episode. Designers. I love you guys. Sorry. Just sometimes designers are mean and then I feel like getting mean just to pay them back. But before you start saying, how dare you try to improve your own life by improving other people's lives with charity? 
Why, the only way to improve your life that's pure is by taking advantage of other people. No, if you come together and you make a publication for charity uh, instead of doing it for your own, you know, lining your own pockets, like, I think that's great. I think if you can connect with other people and push forward in your career at the same time as helping other people, more power to you. And if you do a charitable effort, lots of people are going to be willing to connect with you on that. And, uh, you know, you can pay, you don't have to pay the costs. You can allow for the, uh, profit to pay for, it's not technically profit, but the money that you get for the thing that you make out of charity, you can pay your costs and then give the rest to charity, right? I did that with the Indie Rock Coloring Book where I was connecting with all these bands, but I wasn't making any money on it and we gave it to charity. We published that book. You know, I've seen several of the people I work with do this approach. Tim Lampy and uh, Jeremy Clays, I've seen them take, uh, and uh, I've seen them do their projects for my MFBA and actively involve other people in their publication. Tim Lampy created this breakfast journal called called Morgan, now I can't remember how to say it, Morgan Might, Morgan Meat. It's a weird, fancy breakfast word. And, uh, and he paid people or collaborated or traded and got people to do work for his publication. And the same goes for Daring Greatly with Jerry Clay's. Um, I also had uh, uh, another student, Tina Modweg Hansen. Don't know if I'm saying her name right. Um, she did the same thing with her Instagram project where she was tackling stories of family issues and she did an Instagram project where she collaborated and traded with her peers from the class and they did a piece for her project. It's a great way um, of spreading the word. So how can you do it? How can you get people involved in your project? Highlight, create an anthology, partner, do a partnership or feature. However you got to do it, you got to get that connection. So at the beginning of this episode, I said that good friends make it easy. That uh, when Link makes these good friends, that beating Ganon actually becomes easy. But when I say good friends make it easy, what is the it that they're easing? What is it in that sentence? Is it what the great philosopher Ja Rule was talking about when he said living it up. No, I don't think it is. I'm not saying that good friends make it easy to crush it and, you know, smash your wildest dreams. And, you know, if you make good friends, you can be like Murphy Lee riding the coattails of Nellie. And let me tell you, you might know Nellie, you know, it's getting hot in her, but you probably don't know Murphy Lee because that's not what I'm talking about. You can't just cash in on your, your friends that crush it. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about easy street. I'm talking about the kind of it that starts with SH. I'm talking about when it gets real. I'm saying good friends make it easy. What is it? It's pain. It's struggle. It's the hard times. They make it easy. They ease the pain. You see, if you are trying to 
really find your gift, really live uh, the life that you're here to live, to push yourself into the, the, the best possible thriving creative career, I can tell you one thing for sure. There's darkness on the horizon. Like Ganon is coming. There's going to be trolls that are going to try to tear you down. They're going to be times where you mess it up, where you do the wrong thing and you jack it up and you cause yourself a paycheck or you cause yourself a job or you look like a fool in public. There's going to be times where maybe the bill collector's calling. Gannon's going to be there. And when he's there, good friends make it easy. You know, you guys know I'm doing a Kickstarter right now, and it has far surpassed my wildest dreams. But back in uh, 2012, I did a Kickstarter that didn't. We barely got funded, and it was uh, trying to screen print all 260 of my Nod character drawings that I'd done. And we did succeed. We got funded, but just kind of barely. And uh, it was a real slog. It was the pain. It was the rough times. And uh, I had some big connections made in that time that helped me get through it. And at the time, I thought those big con- big connections were things like this guy, David, who was my biggest backer on the pod or on the backer on the Kickstarter. He backed for $200. It was the most that anyone had backed and it was a big deal at the time. And even what I thought was even bigger deal than that was this guy was one of my creative heroes. This isn't just a guy named David. This was David Cross. I'm talking about the never nude from arrested development. I'm talking about the guy from Small Soldiers. Didn't know I was going to go there, did you? He was in Small Soldiers. You might have not known. He was also in a little movie called Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Maybe my first favorite movie, at least second favorite movie of all time. He's in that movie. He's got great lines in that movie. There's a part in the movie where he's arguing with his girlfriend and he says, I'm making a birdhouse. <laughs> I, you might have to have the context of the movie to know why that's a great line. It doesn't really make sense when you pull it out, I see now. But, you know, it's one of those where you're mad and you say something normal in a mad tone and it's just funny. He, That was him. He backed my Kickstarter. And at the time I thought, this is incredible. This is a game changer. Guess what? It wasn't. But do you know what was a game changer? When a guy named Brad backed my Kickstarter. And Brad backed my Kickstarter He sent me an email, and uh, we were both trying to make stuff happen. He was doing all these creative projects with social components and um, just doing some really fun, interesting things. Nothing crazy, but we made a connection. We we saw likeness in each other, and we made uh, a good friend in each other. And then a few years later, Brad started a new side quest. It was called Kid President. You might have heard of it. Millions and millions and millions and millions of people have watched the Kid President videos on YouTube. The Kid President side quest helped him connect with people like Beyonce, Michael Scott, a.k.a. Steve Carell, Barack Obama. These are the people that were collaborating with Brad. And guess what? That's not why I love Brad. 
why I love Brad and why he is a good friend that makes things easy for me is because when I do a workshop that doesn't go how I planned, I get to call up Brad and say, what, how did, what did you learn about workshops that, that got you so good at them? Or we can trade war stories. We can commiserate with each other. And that's, that's why that, those connections were game changers. I tried to email David Cross. He didn't reply. <laughs> but he does own a lot of my prints. But it wasn't David that was the game changer. It was Brad. And so instead of thinking about collaboration and connections like uh, and seeing people as rungs on a ladder that you can step on as you advance your career, think of them as the foundation that you can grow on. Because things are not always going to be easy. But when the hard times come, good friends make it easy. Hey, here's a little testimonial about the Creative Career Path Handbook that we are funding right now on Kickstarter. Hey, my name is Rosalie Hazlett, and I'm a 23-year-old illustrator. And this spring, I had the amazing opportunity to hear Andy speak in person for the first time. And he gave all of us at the event a copy of his Creative Career Path workbook. And it's kind of funny because it's not that big of a booklet, but I really took my time diving into each page, and I only got a few pages in before things started really coming together for me, like super fast, and I'm really excited about it, so I wanted to share it with you. So one of the pages prompts you to make a list of different dream clients in your targeted industry, and for me right now, that's illustration that's related to nature and the outdoors. I recently spent about five weeks living and creating in Great Smoky Mountains National Park as one of their 2018 artists in residence, and it was an incredible experience that really confirmed to me that using illustration to sort of bridge the gap between nature and art and encourage people to get outside is what I want to be doing with my life. And so one of my dreams is to create illustrated social media imagery or print ads or packaging for outdoor brands that I believe in who share this mission with me. So I chose several brands that I really admire and were on my dream client list, but they're not the biggest brands in the outdoor industry. And I came up with different illustrations inspired by each brand, and I made sure to create work that was meaningful to me, that I knew my followers would also appreciate, and that I thought that maybe if these brands saw my work, that they would want to share on their social media. So I made it easy for them by taking nice photos of the art and cropping it to be square so that it would be ready to go if they did see it and decide to put it on Instagram. So I made the illustrations and I posted them on my Instagram and I tagged each brand and then I direct messaged them and shared my artwork with them and I think I said something like, hey, I really like your products and I made this piece inspired by you. I hope that you like it and feel free to share with your audiences if you do. And my thoughts going into this were, A, I'm not wasting time because even if these brands never even see my work, I can still put them in my portfolio and maybe they'll help attract the attention of similar clients eventually. 
B, I'm creating work that I like and that I know my followers will enjoy and maybe I can make prints of the illustrations to sell in my online shop if they turn out well. And C, probably the biggest thing that could happen is that they would repost my work and I would gain followers who have similar interests to me and would like my work, but even that I felt like was a stretch and I didn't think that they would even see my work. But within a few days of messaging both brands, I was proven totally wrong because I heard back from them almost immediately and they both loved my work and they reposted my work and very conspicuously tagged me, gave me a great shout out. So I got a bunch of new followers who actually really related to my work and my online shop started getting way more traffic and sales than I had ever dreamed of. They also both reached out to me for future potential collaborations. So now I'm so excited to say that I'm working with both of these brands on various projects and it just all feels so right because I handpicked these clients and I feel totally control in control of what I'm doing and the direction that my work is headed. And I'm genuinely so happy to see these relationships develop because I believe in the mission of these brands. So. I've never been excited before about being strategic with my career and I always just felt that since I'm a young illustrator I should just take whatever blows my way, but now I cannot stop thinking about all of the career possibilities that are just a few strategic steps away. So thank you so much for listening and best of luck to all of you with your creative careers and thank you so much Andy. Thank you, Rosalie. That was amazing. And I am so excited about all the stuff that's happening in your creative career. You can follow Rosalie on Instagram at R-O-S-A-L-I-E-H-A-I-Z-L-E-T-T. Go follow Rosalie. She's got really great work and she's doing really interesting things. Thank you for that. And thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. Thanks to Alex Sugg for our soundtrack. You can go listen to the Creative Pep Talk soundtrack on Spotify or Apple Music. It is fantastic instrumental work music. I have been submerging myself into it, and it gets me... I I have definitely teared up, maybe even shed some tears on some of these moments. There's a real narrative arc great for walks in the park with your dog as I've been using it for and drawing and and all that good stuff Uh, lots of good feedback rolling in about it I'm super pumped about it go check it out Um, hey and go back the Kickstarter you're running out of time if you were planning on doing it please stop what you're doing and do it now kickstarter.com search creative career path it will come up and you can get your hands on the full color version of the creative career path handbook Thank you guys so much for listening, and until we speak again, stay pet.